Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. everyone and welcome to another special episode brought to you by yahoo sports canada you guys already know the deal like share subscribe leave a comment if it's positive yeah the vibes aren't great with the team right now but we still love positivity over here at yahoo sports canada my name is iman and i'm joined by asad asad how are you i'm doing well definitely doing better than ben taylor is this morning uh, so i'm ready to go uh let's talk raptors i guess right <laughs> Let's talk Raptors. Yeah, let's. Well, we'll save the Fred Van Vliet comments for just a little bit after. Let's start off because I mean it's it's been a week of refereeing for the Raptors, has it not been? Um, but let's start off with the Clippers game. The Raptors lose to Kawhi Leonard yet again. Kawhi Leonard playing forty minutes. I don't think I've ever seen that. Not in regulation, at the very least. Uh, what are your thoughts on on how the Raptors fared against the Clippers last night? Yeah, so the Clippers clearly came in playing like a team and playing a rotation uh, as if that they are very much uh, desperate. Uh, They're a team that struggled since the trade deadline, since uh, adding Russell Westbrook off the buyout market. They came to this game, I think, 1-5 and or 1-6, and and they really needed a win. And you can see that if you look at Kawhi Leonard's game logs for the last basically month where he's been playing crazy minutes. And tonight he basically played his second highest minutes in regulation for the season at – 40 minutes uh and that's what you kind of saw now the clippers again clippers raptors always is a tough matchup because there are similarly built teams albeit a little bit different in the sense that they got a lot of big wings and they switch every matchup as well so it's hard to create half court advantages um in, in easy fashion uh, so it tends to be a tough matchup for the Raptors as it is. Lawrence Frank just copied Masai's playbook, but basically was like, we have Kawhi and Paul George. <laughs> we're just going to do it a little bit better. Effectively. Uh, the Raptors were able to kind of press them uh, in the first quarter, especially with the Clippers not having a true point guard. Again, they went past another deadline, another summer, and acquired no point guards to yes, help address their needs. So they ended up turning the ball over a ton in that first quarter and the Raptors were unable to really capitalize on that. So they built a lead, but nowhere near as big a lead as they probably should have, uh, which is again, just like, you know, the Raptors, they've been playing stretches of good basketball, stretches of really good defense, stretches of really good offense, but just not enough cohesiveness to kind of like maximize the opportunities they uh, make for themselves. So similar to the Denver game, they just didn't capitalize enough on the part of the game where they created opportunities for themselves to give themselves the buffer against good teams when it comes down the stretch and the game gets a little bit tighter and the Clippers basically switched up they let Kawhi be the main ball handler effectively 
for most of the second quarter onwards uh, to give them kind of like a steady hand and not turn the ball over at the top of the key. Uh, the Raptors were still able to turn them over a fair bit, but again, while they're a great player, able to set them down. And then the Raptors on the other end, without that transition boost that they were getting, uh, starting to struggle a little bit in the half court to create really any advantage outside of like, I think a Fred Jacoperto pick and roll which the Clippers started just sending more bodies to, to really snuff out. So a tough game to watch. I'm not usually a fan of watching Clipper games. Personally, it's tough to watch the hard matchups for the Raptors, but uh, it's, it's one of those games where I think I personally came in with the expected expectation. The Raptors would probably lose that game. Uh, but given how the last two games have gone and especially how the Raptors have looked in those games where it's like, Oh, you very much have chances to win these games but you're making a lot of unforced errors that are not giving you the margin of error needed on the road to win, win those games. Like you're losing these games, not just because the other team's good, but because you're making some silly mistakes. Yeah, no, I, th- I think you hit on everything there. I-, I caught bits and pieces of the ESPN broadcast because, you know, when you get a nationally televised game, you gotta, you gotta get some clips there. And to me, it was really fascinating because in the first quarter, Mark, Mark Jackson was being very complimentary of the Raptors defense, which rightfully so. And you said a transition boost. And I was like, can we really call it that? Because they were just not able to capitalize off of the amount of turnovers that they were forcing, specifically in the first quarter. Second quarter, you made no mention of the Raptors defense, rightfully so. <laughs> Which is like when you're playing as tight as you are in the first quarter and you're forcing as many turnovers as you are, you can't just have moments where you're doing no look passes in transition and it tur- in tr- through traffic, I should say, turning it into turnovers. You can't have moments where you're Gary Trent Jr. and it's like a three on one fast break and you're actually not looking for anybody and you get your shot blocked. You can't have moments like that because it it limits your transition opportunities. And that's the only time that this Raptors team can really score against the Clippers defense. We saw it. The Clippers defense was just taking everything in the paint. Like the, the Raptors had no, no space at all down there. None of the shots that they were, like they actually shot fairly well from outside. They were hitting their perimeter shots. They just couldn't get anything inside. And hey, if you can't get anything in transition and you can't get anything inside, you're probably not going to win even with like a 25, what was it? A 25 possession differential there. That's really massive. And that's how the Raptors win. And Mike Breen actually mentioned, he was kind of flabbergasted by this stat, uh, not recognizing that this is just Raptors basketball. And he was like, the Raptors only shooting 37% from the floor, yet they lead in this game. It was early in, in the in the first half. And he's like, yet they lead in this game. Meanwhile, the Clippers are shooting 51%. I mean, if the Raptors let the Clippers get a shot off, it's probably going in. It's just when they get the stops that they're able to shut them down, which is essentially what the Raptors defense has been. It's getting stops. That is it. That is the crux of it. And it's a possession battle. And guess what? You lose the possession battle. You lose the game. Here, they won the possession battle, except when you take free throws into account. That's where they really, 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 really got hurt. And I think we can transition into what everyone wants to hear about, what everybody is talking about today, which is the conversation that Fred Van Vliet had, the statements that he made uh, about Ben Taylor. I mean, you started off talking about Ben Taylor today. I feel like that's what everybody's doing. Um, So for those of you guys who have been living under a rock and do not know what happened... 
uh, Fred Van Vliet had some really, really harsh and choice words for Ben Taylor after the game. And, you know, it was interesting because, like I said, this has kind of been a bad week for the Raptors in terms of refereeing. We all know what happened with the Scott Foster game, right? And after that game, Kirithika had a great tweet. Kirithika has been fantastic. Everyone give her a follow. Um, but she had a great tweet where she said that, you know, Fred, after the Nuggets lost, said he's about to save his money and not actually make any comments on refereeing. And then last night, of course, he said he'll take the fine. As of right now, we don't know what the fine is, but I'm assuming it's going to be really, really big. I've been talking enough. I said, let me throw it to you. What are your thoughts on the comments that Fred Van Vliet made last night? Yeah, well, again, like the stat that Kirithika had was that Ben Taylor has uh, what I think uh, given him f- uh, has ref games where he's like given five of the eight texts that Fred so Bentley's taken. Four of six. Yeah. So four, four of the six games where Fred's gotten texts, I think, and then one of them was a double tech ejection. And I think Ben Taylor has directly called, I think, three of them, yeah. uh, which is like that's that's a significant percentage of your attacks, right? That, that shows some friction in that relationship. Um, I think again, like it's I think it speaks kind of more to the the bigger issue between the refs and the league. And this is something that if we remember coming out of the bubble, uh, coming after the bubble season, there was a um, sit down with uh, Monty, Monty McCutcheon, who's the head of the referees, and um, some of the more senior players like Carmelo Anthony spoke about this a, a year or two back where the new there was a lot of there was an influx of new refs, a lot of experienced refs had retired. And suddenly those relationships weren't there. And there were a lot of texts being given out a year or two ago. And suddenly we're seeing this season again, we're seeing a lot of texts flying left and right. And when you have the NBA now in a situation where you have so much league parity, it's such a competitive game to be given texts like Jordan Poole getting a tech for throwing the ball right back at the ref, or even earlier, a couple of weeks ago, Gary Trent Jr. Picked up the ball, threw it to the ref and they called a delay a game or a tech on him. Um, delay, and it's just yeah. like, well, what, what, is, what are you supposed to do in that situation where like if every single thing can be seen as a slight to the ref and they're going to call text, that becomes very difficult to manage. Right. Cause the players have to also still remain in, like a competitive hooks of the game. In this case, Fred Van Vliet got a tech in this game for saying uh, basically that they're trying to fight through the bull. And he was saying that to his teammates, which is a normal thing to say in the game. And it could be really about anything, but for the refs to overhear that decide, Oh, that's um, directly a slight towards me. I'm going to call a tech. That seems a little excessive. And to the point where even today, Marcus Smart was asked about um, his foul issues the last few games by Boston media. And he said, you guys heard what Fred Van Vliet said I'll, I'll leave it at that I did not so, know that wow. and again these are these are things that like I feel like it's been kind of bubbling up and a lot of players feel this way you saw Jason Tatum get ejected for a game for basically nothing get massive texts as well so it's it's something that's kind of been bubbling and bubbling and it was an issue two years ago and then it kind of calmed down and now it's starting to become an issue again which is coming to a head and it's just about the league kind of finding a balance between their referees and their players where they can have a um, where they can produce a product that doesn't feel too overplayed. And again, when it comes to playoff time, usually we never see these issues, but for some reason during the regular season, there'll just be this stretch of like a month or two where the players and the refs are just not getting along. And it feels like last month or two has been very tough in this specific regard where you just have Chris whether, Paul is like, what you don't see these issues in the playoffs. <laughs> Well, look at my career <laughs> Chris Paul Chris Paul's deserved we can leave it at that but uh but, yeah so I feel like that's kind of the extended conversation to have there and for Fred Van Vliet like that was I don't, I don't think we've heard 
Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, buddy. Say anything that bad? I think the biggest fine we've seen, I forgot who was uh, bringing up fines earlier, but it was like Paul George got like a big 35 thousand dollar fine like a year or two so ago Masai. Masai got yeah. one earlier this year from regarding mistaken. regarding refs i think the yeah. players cap is like they can at most be they can be fined as 50k yeah so uh i expect to see a big one for fred coming but it, it was cool to see fred talk in the manner he talks because he's very cool call calm collected uh, i think jace keats on the no dunks podcast called it icy uh so it hey. was icy. It was icy. It was and very here, here's icy. the thing. I, I will say in 2021, I think a large part of why those conversations were happening is because the referees also have a CBA. They also have a union. And that's when their um, CBA negotiations were happening. That was back in 2021. So I think that there was sort of more focus on things at that time. Um, and, and this isn't new. I, I do agree with you that there was a, you know, an influx of new referees. And so these conversations had to be had. Ben Taylor's not new. Steve, I've said Steve Javi. I might as well have Scott Foster's not new. These are not new guys. And these are sort of issues that always persist. And I think it's important that players voice their frustrations because this stuff matters. And you're right. Like, like Fred Van Vliet trying to get his teammates riled up to basically be like, you know what? We think that this whistle is unfair, but we got to play through it. That's what he's telling his guys. And I think that there is... There's a power dynamic that exists between refs and players. And that to me is an abuse of power to get mad at a, a, a leader of a team, basically the team captain, getting his guys to be like, you know what? We think that this is unfair, but we got to play through what we think is unfair. And a final comment on that, like, yes, Fred was like very scathing towards the refs in particular in that, but he did say very complimentary. Like, hey, yes. you know, some refs, do their job well they yes. have no problem it's very specific issues he, he made it very specific he said, he he said a lot with. like he he was he, yeah. he yes he and then very... also also made sure to say he said hey we didn't lose because of the refs we lost because yes. we were overmatched we were overplayed that wasn't why we lost but it is incredibly frustrating he also did pinpoint that our that he realizes that in the first half the team was getting very sidetracked and yeah. by the calls that were being made yeah um, which is something that again the team needs to be better at like the raptors are a young team they do get frazzled by the whistle a fair bit um, as, you know, as great as Scotty Barnes is. There are a lot of times you can see where he kind of is spending a lot more time arguing with the ref than he is getting back into play early in the game. 
uh, versus, you know, maybe in the fourth quarter when he just uh, takes his anger out on the court. Which, But like, uh, to me, that's, like, that's the biggest issue with yeah. it here, right? Because when you are the leader of a young team who you know gets caught up with fouls, does not run back on defense because they're complaining about a non-call the other way, the only way to get those guys to stop complaining at these refs, which no ref wants to be jawed at all game, right? We saw what happened when Scott Foster was jawed at all game. He ended up ejecting someone in the final seconds of a basketball game. So if refs don't want to be jawed at all game, then you have to let the leaders of the team to be like, you know what? You think that this is unfair, but we got to play through it. And if you're stopping the people who are trying to control their teammates, but you're also stopping the people who you also are ejecting the people who are angry. Like to me, the, the, the Fred Van Vliet technical and the um, Scott, Scotty Barnes ejection are like opposite things like you can't you can't get mad at both of those things right like one of those you have to sort of be like yeah that's the proper way to handle it right if you're mad at players I think personally neither one of them should have gotten a tech in that situation (laughs) that's how I feel personally about it but like the NBA needs to come up with this sort of standard thing and also I think everyone talks about it you shouldn't have separate rules for the superstars of the league versus a sophomore player that's not how any of this should operate that's not how any of this should work um and yeah it's unfortunate, but it's a conversation that needs to be had. So I'm glad that Fred Van Vliet has decided to put his money where his mouth is and, and lead and take charge in terms of having that conversation. But my goodness, Ben Taylor better not officiate the Raptors play-in game. Not here for it. <laughs> okay, so finally, uh, I want to focus in on the next game that the Raptors play, which will be against the Los Angeles Lakers on Friday night. This is going to be a big one. I mean, this is a big one for both of these teams. The Lakers obviously have hopes and dreams of making the playoffs. The Raptors have hopes and dreams of making the playoffs. And this has kind of been a really tough road stretch. The Lakers will be, I think, the least formidable team the Raptors have played on this stretch. So it should be one that you're looking at as hopefully a W. But what do you see looking looking at that Lakers game? Uh, That's basically the game that you have to win on this trip. Uh, Again, looking at this stretch, it was like, Lakers clip uh sorry Denver Clippers Lakers and then Denver again so you're hoping okay you look at that Denver game you very much have a chance there you lose it at the end right sure there's altitude and those things but you feel confident like you played a good game against Denver in a rematch I would feel comfortable I think the Raptors have a good shot of taking that game in a rematch this Clippers game always going to be a tough matchup it's probably going to be a loss you have to eat that how do you get out of this four game stretch two and two and you've got to win this Lakers game. They don't have LeBron James. D'Angelo Russell might be returning. But in any case, the Lakers have been a team that the Raptors have been able to beat consistently um, as long as they've been healthy. Uh, Pascal Siakam's had no issues really with the Lakers. Um, the Lakers, again, they have Anthony Davis playing, you know, his best basketball of the season. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt's been great for them defensively with him and Davis on the floor. They've been incredible defensively, but the Lakers are going to struggle on offense same way the Raptors might struggle in the half court. So it is a team that if they don't have D'Angelo Russell, again, you're playing a team that doesn't really have a real point guard. So you can turn them over a lot more. Uh, the, the, the Lakers also do lack large wing defenders. Like their best guys are the guys they got at the deadline in Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt. So you're looking at, you're looking at dudes that you can really get at, get after. Uh, so I'm not, worried about this matchup for the Raptors I think they should be able to take it as long as they take this game seriously again Anthony Davis can only guard one of Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam so one of those two should be dominating in the middle of paint all night we've seen Scotty Barnes put up 
basically one of his best games of his career against the Lakers uh, last season when he dropped 31 and 17 or something, something along those lines it's around the same time. Right. So this is a game that Scotty Barnes can dominate. What I would like to see out of this is if you're Scotty Barnes, how can you bring that energy that you bring in the fourth quarter where you are attacking the paint when you get the ball, when you are actually looking to go downhill and do that in the first half, instead of going side to side, instead of trying to run point from 30 feet out, which again, like one of the criticisms, uh, that people will make to basically as an excuse for Scotty is, Oh, like we try to run the ball through a Fred or Pascal, but when he's out there with the bench unit at the beginning of the second quarter, what he's usually either flanked with an OG or a Pascal, Scotty's bringing the ball up. Scotty's at 30 feet. It's his job to get the ball under the break line. It's his job. I don't to understand get why he touch. was flanked with Pascal. It makes sense to have OG out there just for spacing reasons. Him and Pascal out there just made no sense to me yesterday. I think it's I, I still think that's fine. I think it's one of those things where it's like you want to have a veteran player there to kind of sort, sort through possessions that break up and maybe OG isn't like a second ball handler that you can have out there. So you have a second ball handler and Pascal um, to give you some room, uh, especially with the Clippers switching scheme. But Scotty Barnes needs to be able to get to the paint a little bit better in earlier than the fourth quarter with his dribble. He needs to be attacking the basket with his dribble rather than looking left, right to try and make passes to either of the wings. Like I can understand um, him trying to get other people going, but, and it's, but him trying to get other people going also means that he has to be aggressive, not for him to even score, but like him driving into the paint and drawing two defenders up so he can hit a dump off to Jakob Pertle, or he can then kick out to the three. Uh, it's one of the reasons why the Raptors half court offense in the first half, it's heavily reliant on Fred Van Vliet because he's almost the only ball handler who seems to be able to find a way to get into the paint and get some drive and kick going um, because Pascal Siakam's seeing double teams before he even crosses the break line, which usually leads to a pass out. And again, the only other ball handler they've had right now that is able to do anything has been Scotty Barnes. And he's been very timid in the first half. So I would like to see an aggressive Scotty Barnes in this Lakers game, because that is going to set uh, the entire Raptors season is going to come down to where Scotty Barnes lies on any given game. If he plays, to his talents and his incredible talents, then you're going to have a team that is suddenly looks incredible and unbeatable. Uh, when he plays uh, kind of loose, aloof, and makes defensive mistakes, offensive mistakes, isn't playing as tight as he should be, uh, that's where the Raptors suddenly kind of lose lose their gears and the other teams tend to go on runs. It's been two games in a row where the end of the second quarter, Scotty's made a couple of key mistakes, and the other team has gone on a run to close that second half. Um, so just a little bit more tight. Like, obviously, he's 21 years old. He's young. You don't want to harp on it too much. But again, that's it. That's really it, right? It's like, hey, can you just be a little bit stronger and be a little bit further up the development curve? Which is fine. Like, these are all development reps, so you don't really get too mad about the mistakes made. But you're hoping that, hey, you made a mistake this last game. Play better the next game. Play better the next game. Um and you're hoping that that can kind of compound and become something to push through. Because again, that's it's something be I'm really betting on Scotty being able to do. We constantly see it. It, it. And he shows it with his fourth quarter dominance, right? Like the ability yeah. to put whatever happened in the first three quarters aside and come out in the fourth just shows a level of resiliency. And I agree, Scotty, if you come out hard in the first quarter, in the same way that you do in the fourth quarter, it completely changes the trajectory of what this team looks like moving forward and what this Raptors team can really be. Uh, thank you so much, Asad, for joining me. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and listening. Thank you, Ben Taylor, for content. 
<laughs> and everybody, bye.